back to KSCJ Radio, 1360 AM, 94.9 FM in Sioux City, Iowa. I'm Brian Vikalskis, and this is Having Read That, conversations with authors about their books. My guest is Father James Martin, and he is author of the brand new book, Come Forth, The Promise of Jesus' Greatest Miracle. Father Martin is a Jesuit priest, editor-at-large of America Magazine, and... Father Martin, I have to ask, I was a seven-year-old second grader in Catholic school. My grandfather had just died, and within it seemed like within the same week that he had died, and my parents were telling me that Grandpa was in a better place, uh, this is what we are meant to do, is to die and to go on to heaven. I heard the story of Lazarus and Jesus bringing back Lazarus, and I remember trying to reconcile this in my seven-year-old Catholic mind. Why would Jesus bring somebody back from the dead if to fulfill what what a Christian is to do, it was to die and go to heaven. Didn't he do Lazarus a disservice? How would you tell a seven-year-old to reconcile those two things in his mind? Yeah, I would ask the seven-year-old to, or invite the seven-year-old to look at uh, Jesus and Lazarus as good friends, uh, and also Lazarus's sisters, Martha and Mary, as good friends, uh, and to say that they were very sad, and Jesus came and uh, you know, brought their bro- brother back to life, you know, to make them all happy again. And so I think it was really, you know, if you wanted to talk to a child about it, I think just kind of stressing Jesus' love and Jesus' care for his friends and, you know, maybe even his desire to see his own friend once again. The story of Lazarus, it's one of those stories that even non-Christians and non-Catholics probably know from just hearing about in popular culture and through that. But when, it, I mean... Your knowledge of the Catholic faith and of biblical history has got to be so vast. When, what makes this particular one rise to the top for you? Well, that's a great question. They often call it uh, Jesus' greatest miracle. Uh, and Jesus raises three people from the dead uh, in the Gospels. And the most dramatic is that of Lazarus. He's been in the tomb for four days. And, you know, really I think the, um, the import of the story for us, which I talk about in the book, is really how God is always inviting us into new life and to kind of leave behind things, you know, metaphorically in our tombs, things that keep us uh, unfree or bound or kind of, you know, stuck in life. And um, I use the story to to help people see how God's calling them always, every day, uh, into new life. I had no idea that you could even visit the tomb of Lazarus. That was that shocked me when I read the book. I'd, I'd never, I mean, I see trips to Holy Land advertised all the time. I never see visit Lazarus' tomb. You've been there. Can you tell me what it's like? Yeah, sure, it's, and you're not alone. Uh, when I went to the Holy Land for the first time, I thought, you can visit Lazarus' tomb. I, I was really surprised. Uh, Current-day Bethany uh, is called Al-Azariah. It's actually in Palestinian territory, so a lot of people uh, shy away from it. But it's really beautiful. You go there, and it's you know reputed to be the same place where he was buried, and you go down this long stairway into this kind of stone uh, tomb, this kind of cavity, and you can pray there. And uh, you know, I bring pilgrims there pretty much every year, and they always find it a very powerful experience. But yeah, you can visit Lazarus's tomb, and I have pictures of it in the book and talk about it. The whole idea of putting together an entire book about this, and you know, I, I talk to writers all the time who do their research, and and a lot of them are crime novels. They'll they'll research labs. Where does the research start and stop with you? I assume it's got to be a lot more than the biblical pages. Yeah, that's a great question. It's looking at uh, different scholars. Uh, the book's a combination of scholarship of, you know, like what the gospel story means and what the words mean in Greek. Uh, a little bit of a travelogue. So as you say, I uh, went to the Holy Land. Some spirituality, uh, you know, what does this uh, story mean for us today? And also a little bit of uh, Lazarus through uh, kind of culture in fine arts and poetry, things like that. 
I really enjoyed it. I wrote a lot of it during the pandemic, and so, you know, as a lot of us did, I had plenty of time. It seemed like, and maybe this is very Christ-like fashion from the Bible, the story of Lazarus' resurrection seemed to be more fantastical than the story of Christ's own resurrection. Does it seem that way to you? You know, it's funny you should say that. I mean, the, you know, the big focus of the Gospels, of course, and of our faith is, is Jesus' resurrection. But I say in the book that, um, you know, this uh, a miniseries by Franco Zeffirelli called Jesus of Nazareth that used to air in the 70s on TV. It was the story of Lazarus and the depiction of that that really struck me even more kind of visually than the story of Jesus' resurrection. So, you know, when I was 16, that was the story that I kind of focused on. I always think it's interesting when you see the, the names. I mean, you don't hear the name Lazarus anymore, but his sisters, Martha and Mary, those are very common names. And as you go through your biblical research, it seems like the, the men in the Bible always had names that you don't hear anymore, uh, or a lot of them, but the, the women had very common names. Is there any rhyme or reason to that? That's a really, you know, I've never thought of that before. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, we do have people named John and things like that, and James, and, you know, just some biblical characters. But, you know, I was just talking about that with a friend last night, and you don't hear too many people named Lazarus. I met one uh, in my whole life. I think maybe in that case it's because it's so associated with death. You know, and so you probably don't want to name your child Lazarus. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's Eleazar in the Hebrew, which I think is a little bit more common. Sure. The, the, I'm talking with Father James Martin. He is a Jesuit priest, author of the brand new book, Come Forth, the Promise of Jesus' Greatest Miracle. I, we're in the area of Creighton University. I know a lot of Jesuit priests are there. I've always heard that. My mother's a graduate of Creighton University. What does it mean to be a Jesuit priest rather than Father Joe that, that is the pastor of Blessed Sacrament Church down the street here? Yeah, sure. I'm a big fan of uh, Creighton. Go Blue Jays. Um, a Jesuit is a member of a Catholic religious order, you know, like the Franciscans or the Dominicans or the Trappists, and we live in community. We're probably best known, um, we're, we're priests and brothers, we're probably best known, as you say, for our, our, uh, our colleges and universities like Creighton and Georgetown and Boston College and, and all that. But, uh, you know, we're, we're all over the world and uh, do all sorts of things, uh, and including, you know, as, as you can see, write books. <laughs> <laughs> is there a lot of debate scholarly among, not just Jesuit priests, but among uh, non-religious scholars about this story of Lazarus? Did you find that as you did your research? Yeah, there is. Uh, the, you know, one of the questions is, uh, are we supposed to look at, uh, for example, Martha's uh, role in this? Um, she, she professes to Jesus, I believe you are the Messiah. Um, and is, is that her big moment, uh, for example, or is because Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life, or are we supposed to see Martha as kind of not really understanding fully? There's also, you know, a lot of uh, sort of confusion, uh, and I talk about this in the book, over why Jesus weeps at the tomb. Uh, most people say, you know, he's because he's sad, but some scholars look at the original Greek and say he's a little frustrated. He's frustrated at the crowd's lack of belief. So, you know, the more you dig into the story, which I try to do for the reader, the more you come across, uh, you know, places where even the best scholars, you know, might disagree. Well, and one thing there's disagreement on is this term of the beloved disciple in John's Gospel. Mm -hmm. And I know you come down on one side of that. You have other research in there that shows that Lazarus may be the beloved disciple. But is there any solution to that question that you can see? You know, I, I go through all the, the kind of uh, proofs, as it were, uh, in the book. It seems like he probably, he certainly has a good claim to be the beloved disciple, who is that mysterious character in, God, in John's Gospel, who's the source of a lot of the stories. And, you know, at the end of John's Gospel, uh, 
the gospel writer says uh, there was a rumor that this disciple would never die. And as a lot of scripture scholars point out, that doesn't make any sense about anyone except Lazarus. So I think there's some good um, indications that it might have been Lazarus, and I talk about that a lot in the book. When you research something that is biblically based, a story that is biblically based, and try to research it in a somewhat scientific manner, do you have to take what the Bible says as the, the be-all and end-all and then start your research from there? Or can you find things in the Bible that, well, this probably doesn't make sense and that may be a translation error or just people's poor memory? Yeah, there's a lot of that. I think, you know, the key is when you go to the Bible comments is to go, to go back to the original Greek, which is the language the Gospels were written in, and to really take that seriously. And sometimes there are, you know, things do get lost in translation. Um, for example, the the term Jesus wept, which everybody knows, um, you know, from the Lazarus story, and most scholars will say it should be Jesus began to weep, which is a small, you know, it's a small thing, but, you know, I think the closer you get to the original, the more you can understand what's really going on. And even the term Jesus began to weep, I mean, that's somebody else's idea of it. We all know that people's eyes can do things, and, you know, well, it looks like he's crying. No, I just got something in my eye. Could it be something as simple as that? You know, that's a good question. Um, you know, it, I would say that the, it, would pro it probably made such an impact on people that they remembered it, you know. I mean, that's a really kind of powerful part of the story for so many people. And, uh, you know, we didn't have people taking notes then or, you know, as they say, had a tape recorder. But, you know, I would imagine that something like that, and certainly the story, would have made enough of an impression on people that it was passed down first orally uh, and then written in the Gospel. So I think we can really trust these stories because... You know, they, they really, they, people would have remembered it, you know, so I think, it's, I think it's likely that he did weep in front of the tomb. As you go about, and uh, I know you go on shows, everything from little local shows like this to uh, international broadcasts, and pe people still seem to be so intrigued, even though religion gets a bum rap, as, people, as some people kind of roll their eyes. Where do you think, as far as the relevance of these stories today, fits into the, uh, just basically the cultural zeitgeist? Yeah, good question. I mean, Lazarus is all over, you know, uh, pop culture and fine arts, but, you know, for the believer, I think it really exerts a, a really powerful uh, force. It is this, you know, image of Jesus giving new life to people, and I just think that really appeals to people. I think, you know, there's a natural uh, curiosity about God for people. For the believer, it's a way that God has of drawing them closer. But I think the story of Lazarus is really timeless, because, you know, who of us doesn't want to be invited in some way into new life? Uh, it was a fascinating book, and for somebody that went K-12 through in the Catholic schools, it, it uh, brought back a lot of memories as far as studying this, but way more in-depth than we ever covered in uh, our little uh, one-hour-a-day class. The book is Come Forth, The Promise of Jesus' Greatest Miracle. It is available everywhere. It's by Father James Martin, a Jesuit priest and editor-at-large of America Magazine. Father Martin, fantastic book here you've put out, and I thank you for joining me to talk about it. Thank you so much. My pleasure. This has been Having Read That on KSCJ Radio. I'm Brian Vakulskis. Check out all of our episodes on our website, kscj.com, and subscribe to our iTunes podcasts. Thanks to music historian Molly Jolly and segment producer John Weasler. We will be back next time. Like this.